Hey everybody, welcome to the Ringing Ear podcast brought to you by KillBoringMusic.com. Your ally in the crusade against boring music, I am Joby, writer, photographer, musician, what the hell, why not call it, native Californian currently living in the beautiful Midwestern utopia of Wichita, Kansas. Find me on social media at Books of Job. My blog is booksofjob.com. With me, as always, my co-conspirator, my co-host, my co-creator of the Ringing Ear podcast, Mr. Jeff Nail current and native Californian writer, contributor to various outlets such as The Beast and Billboard, senior music critic at KillBoringMusic.com. Our aim this week, as it is every week, is to share with you our passion for music, chronicle our continuing obsession with music, even in the depths and depravity of pre-arthritis and bad backs and hair on our ears, and above all else, help you, the listener, avoid boring music, because Jeff, what do we do with boring music? Hey, man, it's quality, not quantity, all right, man? (laughs) I love it. That is correct. Think of Jeff and I as your local neighborhood dealers standing on the street corner, hooking you up with that good shit. We're going to make sure you don't get any of that nasty dirt weed that gets passed around. We're going to make sure you only get the sticky, icky, chronic That'll keep you nice and lifted. Keep your ears ringing. Quick side note to you kids. Back in the day when you had to buy marijuana off someone, that person was called a drug dealer. Uh, This is episode 29. We're going to be talking about 420 music, the music to listen to while you get high. Music about getting high, maybe. We'll have to see. Uh, We're going to talk about the sound of white noise. Jeff will tell us if he would rather listen to actual white noise than listen to (laughs) Anthrax's sixth album. Uh, We're going to have some punk rock from Australia, from the band Coffin, and Burbo in the Unsigned Artist Spotlight. So, Jeffrey, Dimebag Nail, how are we this week? Um, I'm fine. Fine. I'm fine. Okay. That works. So, real quickly, what's the temp in Wichita? Uh, it is around uh, about 61 degrees today. Is it cloudy or clear? It's it's overcast, about 30% chance of rain. It's it's actually been beautiful for the past week or two. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, it, this is that golden era, that golden period where we have just nothing but pleasant weather for the next at least two weeks or so. So uh, this is the only time I really enjoy living out here. Uh, it's very nice. And how how is beautiful San Diego? God, I would kill for 30% chance of rain. Oh, man. I just read an article today about uh, shifting climates and how it's warming. It's warming. Essentially, it warms quicker in the northern regions in our hemisphere. And uh, essentially, in, in I think it said 20 years, if you, wherever, wherever you live, uh, especially in the northern parts, it may as well be uh, like 200 miles to the south in temperature. Oh, wow. so, so Seattle may as well be Redding. Or something like that. You know? I guess grief. I guess that's way more than 200 miles, but you get the point. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I mean, it's pretty nice here, but that's, you know, as we've said before, that's kind of what San Diego is all about. It, not a lot of change. Right. Right. It's pretty consistent. I'm actually jealous of, of Wichita and its seasons. Uh, all right. So where are we beginning well, we've got uh, we've got two ways to go. We've got uh, the anthrax discussion to be had, or we can listen to a little uh, punk rock first. Whatever you whatever you feel like, it's let's do it's, little, it's your call. Let's do a little punk rock since uh, we want to make the show just that much punchier. 
don't know what is going on in Australia right now. I don't know what's in the, in the water down there, but they are having some kind of a, a punk rock renaissance going on. You know, we already had the, the chats on a while back. Uh, there's another band called Private Function uh, that I was wanting to get to, but haven't really had the chance. And now I've, I've stumbled upon this band called Coffin. Uh, and it's it's got, you know, it's an acronym, but I don't know what it stands for. I've looked at their Facebook page or their SoundCloud, everything. I don't know what it stands for, but it's all capitals and it's got the, you know, the periods after it because, you know, Obviously, there's more than one band with Coffin in their name. So if you just <laughs> yeah. Google Coffin, you're going to get some metal band called Coffins with an S on the end. But uh, anyway, these guys are from Sydney. They are a four-piece. Their drummer is their lead vocalist. Oh, that's and, always interesting uh, to me. Yeah, I, I, I never get over that. I don't know why. It always kind of stops me in my tracks. Well, I know how um, to play the drums moderately mm-hmm. well. Well, at least I used to. It's been, been about a year since I've actually picked up a pair of sticks. But... Um, but yeah, I've, I've tried to do that. We used to set up a mic way back when, you know, certain bands I was in, especially the one that you and I were both in briefly. And, uh, I'm not really sure why we did that. Cause I wasn't really a singer and I'm still not a singer, but I guess I like to shout it. I, maybe it was some plan about me shouting along with Calvio or something, but, right, yeah. um, but it, I found it very challenging. Yeah, and even you know, yeah, even the like less uh, intense bands, you know, like the Eagles and whatnot. Even even that was impressive to me. Like how Don Henley could even sing. I I just don't I don't understand how people do it. Honestly, the the simultaneous it's the coordination is just ridiculous. Yeah, because drummers are already doing more than a couple of things at once anyway. So uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So well, what? So how many people are in this band? Coffin. It is a four piece. Okay. They have two guitars, bass, and the drums. And their drummer is actually a really interesting looking guy. He's got kind of a mullet and he wears like some pretty the big, like thick glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just something about it. I mean, we've, we've mentioned it, you know, more often than we probably should have, how these Australians, like, they just have this sneer to their voice. It just, <laughs> as soon as his voice kicks in, it just, I just automatically smile. I'm like, oh, yes. It just sounds so angry. And this song that I've chosen, they have a lot of songs that are, you know, like a minute and a half, um, you know, two minutes long. And this one is a little longer, partially because it has an intro that's a little too long, in my opinion. Um, but it has a didgeridoo on it, uh, which is uh, always a nice change of pace. It's funny um, when it's a, funny when people, uh, artists of a certain region, lean into those things. Like, yeah, you know? I mean, I guess why not if you're there? Hey, uh, yeah. but this is more of a political song. I don't really know if their other music is all political or not. But this is a song about the Aboriginal people and the way they've been mistreated over the years. And uh, the video's got a lot to to say. Um, hmm. But it's called White Dog. Okay. And I, I just uh, love this song, and I'd like to know what they're doing to the people in Australia to make this resurgence happen, because I could I could use some of this here stateside. Reparations in the pale, I said, 
that doesn't go down smooth. Uh, that that goes down like Yukon <laughs> Jack, but ain't, that ain't too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, shades of. At first, it, when it started, I thought, oh, it's kind of like the helicopters or super suckers or something. And then, uh, then it, like, oh, the vocals kick in. I'm like, oh, it's like a punk rock Lemmy. Right. Uh, yeah. And by the end of it, I'm like, this is kind of reminiscent of of idols, like a less sophisticated idols in a way, just the way it, you know the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Uh, what did you get out of this? I, you know, I one of my other most used terms, other than saying something is just fine, is uh, I I will say that somebody is not reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Then they certainly fit that bill. But you know, a lot of times I don't expect someone to. So this just fits right in perfectly with me. I. Uh, this is just such a nice throwback. I just wish more bands would do that. And you actually wanted me to remind you about somebody else from Australia. Yeah, Arse. We had Arse on the show about... That's right. I don't know, 10 episodes ago when we did the Funny or Die one. And, uh, you know, I guess you could say this for for both of those bands. I, you know, I don't know if, if I want to throw the Chats. Chats? Is that what they were called? Yeah, the Chats. I don't know if I want to throw them into the mix here, but... Um, both Arse and Coffin are kind of doing a, an already well-established thing, which is something you struggle with whether you're doing, you know, w- whenever you're doing niche genres, whether, whether it be bluegrass or punk rock. Uh, but so it kind of falls to the details to make it unique. And, uh, and, and the details in this case that I like are just it's the, um, the edges are perfectly raw, rough right uh yeah you know it's it's they could have easily just gone into a studio and done a a poorer version of this and uh, to me this just sounds like they went out of their way to give this track some uh, personality right yeah so and his voice you're right he's like he's like mocking us (laughs) right (laughs) or he's mocking injustice i don't know it sounds like probably injustice and what i love i was looking at their about page on facebook and it says band interests, and it's exactly what you would expect it to say. All it says is skating and music. Perfect. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Huh. They call themselves a psychotic skate punk and Aussie pub thrash band. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten the skate thing off of the sound of it, but that's good to know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They look like they're a lot of fun. <laughs> they look like some interesting guys. I mean, I guess anyone <laughs> from Australia looks interesting to us, but, you know. It's funny. Sometimes we'll be talking about these bands, you know, the younger bands or just bands at all. Because, you know, let's be honest, most people making music are younger than we are. And uh, and you just did it where you're like, yeah, it looks like they're a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and I know I know you really mean it, but there's a distance in your voice like, yeah, it looks like they're a lot of fun for someone else. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I mean, you know, yeah, they're like. Uh, their picture, they're like standing in the ocean. Uh, they're all holding machetes or some sort of blades of, of various lengths <laughs> and sharpnesses. And like, yeah, th- that's cool. I like music like that. I don't. Yeah, yeah that's fun. I don't want to, you know, drink with them. But <laughs> but then again, in Australia, you need blades like that to fend off all the critters and creatures that are there that will kill you. So, yeah. Uh, so, cool. yeah. Coffin. All right. Well, I am. Very curious to see where this next segment takes us because you had an assignment that I know you were not looking entirely forward to. Um, you had to listen to a God, what, what, 25 yeah. or so year old record um, of a band you don't enjoy. No. Nope. And uh, <laughs> we're talking about The Sound of White Noise, the sixth album from Anthrax. It was their first album after they changed vocalists and they changed their sound a little bit. Uh, so. So let us have it level with us. What what's what's the word? 
You know, Anthrax aren't a bad band. Uh, you know, uh, they're they're one of the big four, right? It's Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer, Metallica. Yeah. Okay. So I hate Megadeth. I think they're actually a bad band, and I know a lot of people will, will defend them, uh, but I don't think they're entirely defensible. While Anthrax isn't bad, they're also not good. <laughs> so, um, but you know, out of, out of all the big four, Anthrax never seemed like the type that would enjoy the smell of their own shit, at least. Mm-hmm. I sort of always appreciate, I mean, I think as as far as people go, they're they're decent enough dudes. And uh, not that I'm looking to, you know, <laughs> evaluate their, their utter being, but, you know, they seem like kind of normal guys. They, don't, they never seemed like out-of-this-world rock stars to me. Scott Ian just right. seems like a dude around the block to me. Yeah. Uh, but going to their music, you know, their, their music kind of sounds that way, where it really doesn't seem like anything special to me. Um, it, it is kind of cool that they're, that the music on Sound of White Noise is kind of Spartan compared to other rock and metal. Uh, you know, there's not really, there's not a lot of pretense with them. And I can appreciate that. And I also like uh, John Bush over Joey Belladonna quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Joey Belladonna kind of did more of a, a typical 80s, call it a Dickinsonian way of singing, you know. Uh, th- by that, I mean Bruce Dickinson. Um, well, Joey Belladonna kind of kind of hangs out in the lower register, so I'll take mm-hmm. that. But you know, this is also this also feels like a relic of the era, because this is a band that existed before uh, a huge cultural moment, you know, being and a lot of people call it grunge. I just call it you know sort of uh, mainstreamization of of you know formerly underground music, and and even even so, even the mainstream stuff like a, a Pearl Jam or a Soundgarden per se. Like a like a Pearl Jam or Soundgarden, there, you know, it, it sounded different, uh, and I think Anthrax really tried to pivot here with this album and and kind of failed. Um, mm. And there's even one song. Well, I guess I'll get to it. I, I you know how you were talking about uh, what I can't remember what album I had assigned you, but you were saying this is music for people with better than average credit. Right, yeah, the restorations, yeah. That's right. The rest- so Anthrax, to me, are kind of the opposite of that. This uh-huh. is a band for the GED set. <laughs> you know? Okay. I know that really makes me sound superior, and I don't mean to be. Uh, but, you know, like if, if I'm hanging out with the Stoners in high school in 1993, they're listening to this. It's the, these are the dudes that, you know, that really didn't do their homework or whatever. That's kind of the vibe I get. Um so what was I saying? Yeah, the, the rebranding is kind of interesting, though. What was the album before this? Uh, before this was Persistence of Time. And that was sort of a... That one kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, too, right? What Are you, you familiar? Well, it didn't sound like the stuff that came before it. Well, you know, it? what had happened with, with Anthrax is they... I feel like what, they, what happened is they kind of outgrew Joey Belladonna. Jerry, Joey Belladonna's voice just didn't fit what uh. they were trying to do to do it just it it, they they just it almost like they were progressing they're at least trying to move somewhere else but he was stuck in one thing he could really only do one kind of vocal and scott ian i have a feeling he's sort of the creative force in the band anyway right yeah he's ostensibly the leader and and it, it sounds like scott ian probably heard tool and maybe even heard faith no more 
and tried to inject something a little different into the into the band. And uh, my my instinct is that he should have just started a new band because uh, mm. I don't I don't know if these guys were very capable. Um, you, you know, because Anthrax just came up they came up in a different time, and and it, it I I never really thought about this too hard, but it's probably really tough to change course. You know, with with I mean, there's five dudes in the band, right? I mean, that's right. So really, in a way, I've got a new appreciation for this uh, because it's it's a it's a tightrope walk for them, I'm sure. But I'm I'm probably not going to be revisiting this again. What's your favorite song on this record, and why did you assign it to me? Well, I um I I found this album kind of fascinating because it it was was kind of a d- departure. They were trying to go somewhere new, and the one thing I thought was was interesting too about the the whole decision to go this way was that, you know, it, this did come out after the black album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after, I believe it also came out after uh, Megadeth, whatever their album was, uh, symphony of destruction, destruction. I think, or... countdown to extinction, I think was the record. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, the, there had already been a conscious effort from the two of the other bands in the big four to kind of shift and, and maybe be a little more commercial. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of anthrax's, you know, step in that direction. And yet at the same time, it seemed almost like a better fit than what they were doing before. Uh, it, it didn't seem as much like a, a selling out type of move as much as just kind of a lateral move. I can't disagree with that. Although, you know, you know what I ended up thinking of more than, more than, more than anything else. The thing that kept popping in my head while I was listening to this, there's a number of instances on these, on this record. And in most of the songs where I, I thought to myself, this sounds a lot like Alice in Chains. Yeah, these guys, these guys are really great players. I forgot to say they, they obviously, you know, I, I couldn't record a record as good as this, but I don't think, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm sure you've had this experience, but have you ever jammed, jammed with someone who's, who's, who technically knows the ins and the outs of their instrument? And yet when you try to put together a jam or a song or a cover, they just can't seem to, to cover the corners. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. Know, it, there's a musical instinct that's lacking, I think, with these guys. It's just a theory. My, my biggest qualm with them, uh, with this album and every album, every album before and after this album, is uh, it will come to no surprise to anyone. Their songs are too fucking long. They really are. There are, I mean, I, I there's not almost, one song under. Well, there's a few, but most songs are not under four minutes or five. There's one under four. There's like. Four Four, well, no, what? Three songs over six minutes. Yeah, there is no reason for any of these songs to be that long. Um, no, like the first three are all right around the five minute mark, and I that's acceptable, but still pushing it for me. Um, but they just, I think the songwriting has always lacked just a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and you know that's part of the thing. You know what you were saying about their their early stuff. 
they do seem like cool, you know, guys, like decent guys. I'm sure they're a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just I think that was part of the uh, their charm in a way. Like, you know, Slayer seemed like from another planet almost. And, you know, Metallica yeah. were always kind of seemed like rock stars. And Anthrax just seemed like some dudes who were in the band, like, you know, across town, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you could kind of feel their struggle because they weren't like the best of the big four. Yeah, they're the opener. Yeah, they were like working through some shit and like you could kind of feel for them and you were like, all right, they're making it cool, you know, and then uh, they, their singer's not working out. They need a new singer. Oh, OK, well, I can relate to that. You know, my band changed singers a couple times. OK, mm-hmm. like that was part of, I think, the allure to it almost is I, I felt like I could relate to them more than any of the other you know, bands from the big four. Yeah. But I mean, that's also why they're not really the best of the big four, maybe because they weren't as good. I feel um, you. Well, and one, one thing before I forget, just because I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, um, this was the last album with their lead guitar, their original lead guitarist, Dan Spitz. Oh. And I n- never thought twice about him. I, you know, as much as I like metal and being a guitarist, I really can't give a shit about most guitar solos in metal because they're just kind of like wankery to me. They just fill a spot in the song. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this album is by far his best uh, lead playing. I feel like the solos on this record are so restrained and and tasteful like it's not just shredding you know masturbatory playing i love the solos on this record i i didn't even think it was the same guy when i went back and listened to this i i had to double check that it was the same guy i was like was this after he had already left no it's him i don't know what went down with them why he left the band he uh he actually went on to uh he he's actually a uh uh, a watchmaker now he took over the family business his dad was a watchmaker Oh, and speaking of jobs, so John Bush, you know, they they made this record. They made two more, I think, and the next two did very poorly, um, which I'm sure a lot of that was due to them. But they also had some issues with their record label mm-hmm. when they decided to kind of mount a comeback. Um, Scott Ian had written a bunch of songs. He had everything ready to go. They went to John Bush to come back and he refused. And do you know why he refused? Why? In the intervening time. He had gotten a cush gig as the official voice of Burger King, and he didn't want to leave that. He said, man, you guys, you know what? I'm getting paid fat stacks of cash to, like, I don't have to leave my bedroom. I can cut these these gigs in, like, half an hour. I get to watch my kids. I get to be around. I get to stay home. You want me to go tour the the world for the next year and a half? No, No, I'm not touring. Yeah. (laughs) It's remarkable that I feel exactly the same way that I did when I bought it used from your record store 24 years ago. <laughs> like I really, I was really expecting to be, you know, you're older and wiser now, Jeff, you'll see something in this mm-hmm. that you didn't see before. And I, I just don't. Um, well, okay. Let's get a little stoned. Huh? I mean, yeah, not literally. This, this brings us to the, the heart of the episode, the elephant in the room. Uh, when this week, the elephant in the room is Mary Joanna. Ganja, Mary Jane, Pot. Well, I mean, it's we sort of went back and forth. We're so bad at this, really, Joby. It's amazing anyone listens because other podcasts, you know, like this episode is about this thing and they kind of stick to it. But with music, it's so subjective that, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I spent about five minutes looking at songs about Pot. And I'm like, I'm not recommending any of these, really, unless it's a comedy bit, you know. 
Uh, so I don't know about you, but I'm going with, I think exclusively, it's funny how I forget my songs. Ex- I, all of my songs, none of my songs, I should say, are about pot. Well, I have one that is up to interpretation. The band denies that it's about pot, but the fans seem to have made up their mind it is about pot. But other than that, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. I, I went more for uh, for vibes than uh, than actual yeah. song topic. And I've never, you know, I've, I've, I guess I shouldn't say I've never been a big pothead, um, but it's been a long time for me. Uh, but you, you probably smoked more recently than I have, it sounds like. What kind of stoner are you besides freaking out in the lobby of an aquarium in Colorado? <laughs> well, besides that. What do you mean? What kind of stoner am I? Yeah, like when did you first smoke? Uh, did you go through phases? Were you, know, were you sort of a, a dopey stoner or, or are you that annoying guy that wants to talk and, and, and <laughs> create or, you know, well, bullshit? See, okay, this is the thing. Okay, okay, so um, first time I got high... I was probably, good lord, I want to say maybe like 22, 23. Wow, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was it was older, and uh, I didn't know anyone who smoked pot until I started in a band. Uh, then that's when I started meeting everyone, and I didn't get into my first band until I was like 19 <laughs> or 20, I think. Okay. And uh, the first time I got high was uh, on my way to the Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood, California to go see oh, right. Clutch and Fear Factory. You um, told this story. I forgot all. And a TV crew talked to you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know how to inhale, so I didn't really get high. I got a, just a tiny little high. Um, the first time I actually got high, got stoned, was maybe about a month later, when I went to go see Nine Inch Nails, and uh, uh-huh. my my friend's dad, my my friend. I don't know if I should mention him by name. I don't know if he still partakes or not. I don't know if he wants to. Well, you you could just use a first name if you need to. Well, that's still giving it away. Uh, (laughs) Okay. But anyway, uh, his dad, his mom and dad were split up, and his dad lived in Santa Monica. So we went to his dad's house first before we went to the concert. And uh, his dad was a major pothead. And he had this really awesome ceramic bong that was like a skeleton digging a grave or some shit. I don't remember exactly, but it was really cool. And, you know, you can't help but get high when you use a bong, even if you don't know how to inhale. And I got so high, I could barely walk. And uh, we were on the freeway in L.A. going to, uh, I think we were going to the Universal Amphitheater, Gibson Amphitheater, whatever it's called now. And uh, Nine Inch Nails actually came on the radio, Closer came on the radio. And we're, we're driving, and I'm, I'm so high, I can barely organize my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I just hear this noise, and I look at him, and I say, dude, what's, what's wrong with your car? And he looked at me, then his eyes got real wide. He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, do you hear that noise? Your car is making some crazy noise. And he's like, what is it? And he turned the, the radio down so he could hear it better. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Wait, it, it went <laughs> now away. It's, now it's and gone, yeah. <laughs> it was it was uh, whatever Trent Reznor was using to as a hi-hat. It was this. Oh, okay. And that was all my brain focused on. Like, I wasn't even hearing the music. That was all I heard. It's like, dude, what is your car doing? I was just. And then so I went to that concert. I barely remember anything about that concert because I was so high. I remember there were being a lot of slower songs and that really almost put me to sleep because I was just so out of it. I couldn't even uh, stay awake. What year was that? That would have been, yeah, God, 93, maybe 94. It was nine inch nails with uh, Marilyn Manson opening up. And um, we only caught the very tail end of Marilyn Manson set. He 
pulled a uh, dildo out of his pants and his guitar player inflated uh, the dildo. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's funny you say that about uh, focusing on that noise. Like stoners are pretty bad about they they'll just obsess about it one detail. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know? I shouldn't say stoners. I say people when they're high. Uh, when I first got high, it, it was uh, it, I was I was so afraid. Uh, you know, I, I was I thought if I remember being offered pot by this girl who was a friend of my friend's girlfriend, and I remember I put my I actually put the pipe up to my lips and I and I backed out. And this girl just like rolling her eyes at me, like, dude, it's not a big deal. Right. And in my, you know, in my head, I'm like, that's what they say you would said, you would say, you know, like, like they warned me about this in school. You would say it's not a big deal, even though it is. And uh, and I guess I was that way about a lot of things where I just didn't want my mom to know or something. And uh, so I didn't actually get around to doing it till I was 17. And I actually uh, a friend of mine from high school. I guess I won't use his name either, but he was he was one of those guys where he had his shit together, not not in a neurotic way. He just he nothing seemed to bother him. I, like he'd break up with a girl and I'd be like, Oh, you know, what's up with you and Cheryl or whatever the fuck her name was? And he'd be like, Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. He'd literally say it's no big deal. And I and I guess at the time I thought, well, he smokes pot, maybe I should try to smoke pot. Mm-hmm. And we we were at one point we were out well the, he and I and another friend were were driving around. We were talking. I don't remember what started it, but he he's he's got this Mustang, uh, not not unlike the one that I talked about on Ruin Songs, actually. And we got high, and we my my friend Mike and I laughed our tits off. Uh, and that's and that's one of those things that you know. Part of the reason I don't do drugs anymore. Not that pot. I really consider pot a drug. But uh, I don't do it anymore because that that kind of feeling is sort of I can't recapture that, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's like losing your virginity or something. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never laugh that hard again. Right. Uh, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> but but um, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm kind of more of a, a mellow stoner, and uh, it's like I said, it's been a number of years since I've smoked, but I do know that about myself. Where where it's it's I know that I'm not like I don't want to go out and look at the lights or go out to eat. Or I, just, I would rather just sink into the couch and enjoy some music. So I think my, my I think my selections will reflect that. Well, see, this is what's what's interesting because you asked me about uh, you know what kind of, of stoner I am, what I like to do, and, and whatnot. And that's that's what I've discovered uh, since it you know has become legal, um, and since I've you know experienced it a little bit in in Colorado. When it when I smoked regularly and I lived in California, you know, I had a guy. Technically, I guess he was a drug dealer, but he was just my guy. And yeah. I was at the mercy of whatever he got. I didn't know yeah. from, you know, from you know, purchase to purchase if it was going to be that like Mexican dirt weed or if it was going to be some crazy stuff from <laughs> from Northern California that had orange fibers in it. I, you know, I had no clue. Um, he was very successful at what he did. So it got more consistent as time went on. But uh-huh. I never knew what it was. I didn't know what strain. I didn't know any of that. And then now, yeah. you know, now you can go into the shop and they can tell you what strain it is, where it was grown, what kind of effect it'll have on you. Uh, it's very interesting. And so with that in mind, uh, what I did with my choices, I needed to narrow it down somehow. So I went with. Uh, the strains of weed because there's indica, there's sativa, and then you can get hybrids that are a mix of the two. So that's what I've right. done with my picks. I've got an indica pick, a sativa pick, and a hybrid pick. So 
Do you know what the, the differences are between those strains? I think indica is the mellow one. Yes, you you sound like an indica guy to me. I uh, yeah, I guess that's about that's that's, that's the kind of that's true. You like you you smoke indica and you don't want to move. You just want to watch a movie or listen to music, just sink into the couch and play video games. You know that kind of thing. So I don't want to. I don't want to be unable to move. But yeah, I'm not. I don't want to. You know, go out and do things. Yeah, just chill. Just kind of veg out. Right. And then sativa is kind of the opposite. It'll give you a little. A little, uh, not not amped, but it'll give you like kind of a, a spark of energy, make you want to do stuff. They, like they told me when I was at the dispensary that creative types enjoy sativa because it makes you want to create, makes you want to do stuff. It, it's fun to to create, you know, with that that high. And then there's the combination of the two, and you can get all different percentages of you know whatever indica and sativa mixed together. Um, okay. And a pure sativa, I can't, I can't handle it because it actually gives me heart palpitations, because uh, it almost <laughs> is like a shot of adrenaline or something. So for about the first ten minutes after I would have some, whether it was, you know, smoking it or ingesting it like an edible, I couldn't. I would, I would have to just sit down and and take some deep breaths for a few minutes, you know. So I kind of found a sweet spot, um, you know, where it's a little bit of a mix of the two. Um, I am not a fan of edibles. Really? How come? I've never had a good experience. It's always been too much. Oh, over, yeah. over overwhelming. Sorry All though. Right. What's your what's your what's your perfect uh, mix? Right around, well, almost 50-50, or it just depends on what I plan on doing, honestly. Because total like pure indica, I think usually just makes me too lethargic and and I don't even pay attention to what I'm watching because I'm so zoned out. Yeah. So so I need somewhere in the middle, anywhere from 40, 60, like indica sativa to, you know, 60, 40, the other way, you know, something just a little of both. So I'm not totally one or the other. Um, yeah. But when I was uh, a regular pothead back in the day, you know, what my my biggest thing was like you could always tell if I was high. <laughs> what? I shouldn't probably admit that I was driving stoned, but I did because it was the desert and I couldn't walk from place to place. Um, yeah. For one thing, I would drive incredibly slow, which is probably, yeah. you know, natural. But the other thing oh, I would always oh. do uh, when you're driving on these roads in the desert going from, say, like Victorville to Hesperia, I would usually go down 7th uh, Avenue, I think it was. Not 7th Street in Victorville, but, you know, the one that went from, like, uh, what was that? Uh, Nisqually up to Bear Valley Road. And then you could, oh, take, right. it, yeah, yeah. You, you could take it all the way into Hesperia. Um, yeah. I would be driving down that road going probably like 30 miles an hour. And then, you know, they'd have the the sign up, you know, that says it's like a yellow sign, but it's got a mini stop sign on it. And it says stop ahead. And then up, up a, you know, like 50 yards ahead of that is the stop sign or whatever. Yeah. I, I would be driving home late at night, no other cars on the road. And I would always stop at the stop ahead sign <laughs> instead of the actual stop sign. You know, I actually have a, I have a similar experience. One of the few times I was driving high, I think I was probably 20 years old, I stopped at a stop sign and I waited for it to turn color. Nice. You know, like I, nice. I waited for the red to become green and uh, and realized my mistake and laughed l so hard that uh, I, it's a miracle I didn't get pulled over. <laughs> well, I know this is going to sound probably incredibly stupid, but people who actually, ha you know, can handle themselves on pot will know this is not as bad as it sounds but when i went to colorado that was i had probably not smoked in i would say like five to seven years something like that mm -hmm. and uh you know at the dispensaries you can buy pre-rolled joints so you don't even need any paraphernalia or anything all you need is a lighter 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a joint with me in my rental car and I drove up to uh, the top of the Rocky Mountains and oh. uh, got high. And uh, it was actually it was my birthday. And I got a, there was a, like a cafeteria up there and uh, some lookouts and whatnot. And I got a chili cheese dog baked off my ass, <laughs> eating a chili cheese dog at like 16,000 feet. It was, it was a very surreal experience. Well, I'm curious if you're starting with a, an indica or not, or a sativa. No, I decided, even though I'm breaking it up into those three categories, I, I'm going from three to one, kind of just based on my own feeling. I'm, I'm starting with the hybrid, actually. Okay. Uh, and this is a hybrid, actually, uh, figuratively and literally, because this is actually a mashup of two genres. Um, when I think of stoner music, or music to get high to, you know, anything like that, Two of the genres that come to mind just instantly for me are reggae and rap because that's just so prevalent in both of those cultures and in, in that music. And sure, I certainly. actually yeah. have a, uh, a song that represents the, the combination of those two. What I've got here is a song uh, from an album called Distant Relatives. It came out in 2010 and the entire album is a collaboration between a I rapper. I remember this. A, yeah, a rapper and a, a reggae artist. It's uh, Damien Junior Gong Marley, uh, Bob Marley's son, and he did an album with Nas. Um, it's largely a reggae-influenced record. There are some tracks that are more hip-hop sounding, um, but the song that I want to go with is a little more traditional sounding, a little more uh, just straight reggae. It's mm-hmm. called, oh God, where's my track listing? There we go, Land of Promise. Uh, it also features another person named Dennis Brown, who I neglected to look up and see who that even is. I don't know. I, it's I not. Can't. It's not Danny Brown, right? No, no, it's Dennis Brown. No idea. But uh, this, to me, this is like a kind of a good example of a hybrid because it's reggae, so it's got the nice kind of laid back feel, but it's a little bit more up tempo than something I, you know, if I were picking like a traditional like more uh, traditional reggae sound. I would have gone with somebody like maybe Steel Pulse or something like that. But it's a little more up-tempo, slightly. There's something about Damian Marley's voice that is a little jarring to me. So it's not the most relaxing, mellow reggae I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, Nas kind of takes me out of the song completely. Um, but yeah, he's he's a pretty sober-sounding musician. Really. Yeah. Yeah, and, and his his verses when they come in just kind of yeah, it just kind of wrecks the vibe of the song for me, but I thought it was still a good a good opportunity to play something I probably would never ever play on this show otherwise. Okay. Like Colorado, Fort Knox in Nagya, 
Japan. People living in Morocco like the state of Oregon, Nigeria, Walmart, and Arizona. Bring your sun lotion. Uh, when I lived in the Caribbean for a couple of summers working, uh, every song <laughs> everywhere sounded like this. <laughs> really? It was it was always like a mix of reggae and dance hall and and yes. Yeah, I mean it it it's very reminiscent of it. Yeah, it's uh, unless you tuned into Island 92, which was sort of a, a greater mix of like classic rock and this at the time. But yeah, I don't know what it is about recorded reggae that's so hard for me to appreciate. It just never seems to pop. And I guess it's maybe, maybe it's just not designed to. Uh, but I, I, you know, I've seen reggae live and I always, I always, I mean, I guess this is stupid because of course everything live is going to be better than it is in the studio for the most part. So I'm not, I'm not like stumbling on some crazy f- realization, but uh, I don't know. This sounds, um, I feel like reggae needs to be more complicated, mm-hmm. not not just crossed over. Although this is an interesting mix, at least. Uh, I, I, I guess I, what I'm saying is I'd, I'd like to see more collaboration like this. Yeah. But it still it still sounds so predictable. Um, but you know, maybe if you're high, that's good. Well, yeah. I right? mean, I guess depending on what what your uh, what your goal is when you uh, when you spark it up. Yeah. Well, uh, what's what's your what kind of vibes does your number three have for us? You know, I was looking at my three here, and I I think I've got a hybrid for you as well. Okay. Um, and I should say I do, I do want to say for <laughs> for the record, I feel really I do not feel like an expert in this topic. Uh, I struggled with this a lot. Not not for lack of good songs, just. I, I just, you know, I, I don't feel terribly qualified, but I guess I had to remind myself, you're just talking about you. Mm-hmm. What would you want to listen to? Right. So there's a group called M83, uh, started off in, in France. Uh, they're now based in L.A. Uh, and they had this album in 2011 called Hurry Up, We're Dreaming on Mute Records. And it's... Let's see. Anthony Gonzalez is sort of, it's another one of those groups where it's one dude. You know, I mean, there, there is a group, but essentially that one group, uh, it's like Nine Inch Nails or, or, you know, or actually like the unsigned artists we have today. Um, and they started doing stuff in 2001. Uh, and, and I guess that they were, they were pretty successful in a, in a moderate way. Uh, but in 2011, they have this song called Midnight City that, that actually became, you've probably heard this. It became sort of an FM staple on, um, I guess not everywhere, but certainly in California, you'll, you're going to hear this on the FM dial. Uh, but it's unique to me because it's pretty rare that a song can be like a lonely thinker or an expressive explosion, you know, kind of a barn burner kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so strange how this can be lush. Well, it's not strange. I guess if I'm if I'm if I'm cutting this in half where I'm, I'm either sinking into the couch or I'm up, I don't know, being creative. This is kind of right down the middle where it's it's so lush and expansive. It's a big sound, uh, but it's also impressionistic and abstract and epic. Um, and, and as a bonus, it's kind of danceable if you're into ecstasy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different episode.
know, I never in a million years would have guessed that song is as old as it is. Um, because I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I feel like I hear this song about eight times a week uh, on the, the the Clear Channel alternative station that we play at work. Yeah, um, I, it's it's some, I hear it so often that I just assumed it, it was a current song. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I I know it's been played on like some what like commercials and things, and it's gotten a lot of mainstream play in that regard. So maybe that's why I feel like I've heard it so much. It's pretty accessible, but it's also pretty weird for an FM hit, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, there's there's a lot going on. There's sort of a wall of sound, but it's 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 a soft wall, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's it actually, I have written down here in front of me, it's almost like this song especially, most of their songs aren't quite this bold. Um, and this is actually part of a trilogy. Uh, Midnight City is this song, and then there's another, there's two others. And there's these videos that they've made that it's like a mini movie. It's actually kind of cool. I would definitely watch that mini movie if I were high. Uh, but I have written down here, it's almost like My Bloody Valentine meets Jerry Rafferty. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. Of uh, um, Baker Street fame, Jerry Rafferty. Uh, so, yeah. it's Oh, and I've seen them. Oh, really? Uh, I saw them at uh, the Fuck Yeah Fest in L.A. about six years ago. I was there because Refused was doing a, doing a show, and I wasn't going to miss that. And uh, M83 was on right before them. And it was actually hard to watch because people were really starting to cram in there, anticipating Refused. And uh, pretty different sound. I wouldn't listen to Refused high. Um, (laughs) But they were actually, M83 was actually kind of interesting. A a little, a little softer than I'd like it to be. Um, You know, and and, and I think their music is probably, I I guess if you could accuse it of anything bad, it would be that's so dependent on their synthesizers, on their effects. But, uh, and and I'm actually not a big fan of their other music, but this song, this song I'll never turn away, or I'll never turn away from. And, and it's perfect for me if I were, uh, if I were high. It's, It's just weird how it can be energetic and also calming at the same right. time it's it's a weird mix a hybrid if you will well i do i do think that's a good a good pick for uh for being high because it is like an odd sounding song and yeah i think i would i would definitely notice things about it if i were listening to it high that i wouldn't list, notice listening to it not high like mm-hmm. i think yeah i think that's a kind of a perfect a perfect choice yeah well um well my number two is my sativa pick we're gonna pick things up a, a little bit here um okay the other genre other than reggae and rap that I thought of uh, naturally was stoner rock, stoner metal, whatever you want to call uh-huh. it. Um, I mean, it's right there in the name. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I, I kind of had to just limit myself because if I w- went and tried to find like just the best stoner rock song, I'd still be listening to it because I, it's not my favorite genre, but it's it's just generally pleasing i mean it's it's really bass heavy it's kind of a bluesy you know real sabbathy sound and stuff so i mean i just generally yeah. like it it's just it's all a lot of it's really slow and it's really long songs and i just kind of i'm surprised to hear you say this because for that exact reason long they tend well, to go yeah long. i mean i you know i have to i have to kind of just take it in small doses and i have to find the right the right stuff but when i decided i wanted to touch on some stoner rock 
I, I basically just decided about band rather than a song, because like I said, I'd still be listening to some of the different stuff that's out there. And so I decided I wanted to focus on Caius because that's a band I really didn't know a whole lot about, um, but they're kind of like the forefathers, uh, you know, the, uh, the originators practically of stoner rock. Desert, desert rock, yeah. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like the precursor to Queens of the Stone Age in a lot of ways. Yeah, they well, they had uh, Josh. Uh, I, I never did figure out how to say his last name. Hami. I don't know how you say his oh, name. Oh, was, was he in this band? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was the guitarist okay. in the band, and uh, the four there was yeah. a, there were a four piece, and they they had some uh, like uh, some weird falling out uh, that happened, but they basically morphed into Queens of the Stone Age. I, I believe two of them kind of went on to Queens of the Stone Age, but uh, yeah, Josh Homme played... Uh, oh, is, is is Oliveri in this band too? Uh, yes. The guy with... Yeah, the guy that looks like Scott Ian, actually. Right. <laughs> and so yeah, um, Josh Homme played the guitar. He actually, he used a, a like a, a guitar amp a head, but his speaker cabinet was actually a bass cabinet. He, he played a bass, through like, a bass cabinet to get a little heavier, thicker sound. Yeah. Um, and so this is the song that, it, I, depending on your interpretation of the lyrics, uh, might be right on the nose, kind of just hitting you over the head with the, the weed uh, metaphor. It's called Green Machine. One thing I've I've just learned today is that you don't just call it kiss, <laughs> kiss. It's Caius. Well, that's how I'm saying it. I, I I don't know if that's right. Their bio actually speci- uh, specifies that it's Caius. Oh, okay. Did not know that. I do not like stoner rock for some no? reason. I just I have such a hard time le- le- uh, finding stuff that moves me about it. It just seems uh, I don't know. It, it rocks and all, uh, but this could be a thousand different bands to me. Yeah. It, well, that's the so. thing. I, I like it in, in small doses, and I couldn't even really tell you. I mean, there are a couple bands that might come to mind if I really thought mm-hmm. about it, but it's just the kind of thing I would like to have, it, you know, for maybe 15, 20 minutes, which may only be like two songs for this kind of music. <laughs> but it's just. Well, this one is three and a half, so good yeah, job, I this guess. One, this one was actually a, a nice change of pace, but uh, yeah, it's just something that fits a certain fills a certain void when every so often you know just when i need a, okay. a little heavy heavy vibe but um yeah i don't know it's a good, I, it's a sativa if ever i've heard yeah one yeah it's a little upbeat so. little little more than a uh, little okay. more than the droning that goes on well um I'm well, hold kinda... on though but, but one real quick thing that i noticed and i know i know stoner rock's not really known for their lyrics but and and this is also old so you could also you know this is 1992 apparently 
So you can give them a pass, but I think we need to agree as fans, musicians, everyone who's involved in music at all needs to outlaw the phrase inside my head on all rock songs from here on out. I cannot, I just, as soon as I heard him say inside my head, I was like, my God, that is a tired phrase in rock music. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, and not, not bad, just uh, not my thing, I guess. All right, well, should we move on? Yeah, go ahead. What's your number two? I guess, I'll, yeah, this is my Indica. Uh, this is a song by Mo's Death, uh, also known as, uh, I think he was born Dante Smith. And, you know, he made quite a splash with uh, Talib Kweli in their Black Star album. Did you ever hear that one? Uh, no, I, I don't believe I ever heard that. That's that's a huge record. That was that was sort of a, a I guess it was a quiet hit. It wasn't like a radio thing. Uh, but for for hip hop purists, it was a return to form in a lot of ways. It was late '90s. Uh, Mos Def and Talib Kweli, and and actually, I I think people look at that record through rose colored lenses uh, to a certain degree. But it was really good. And and Mos Def uh, was you know pretty primed for solo work. Um, he got a lot. I think he got a, a pretty lucrative deal actually from from Raucous Records. I can't remember what big you know label they were tied to, um, if any. Uh, but but uh, this was a this is a song from um, his 2000 album uh, Black on Both Sides. This album is kind of an eclectic masterpiece. I had forgotten about it uh, until I was going through my you know my library, and most most Def plays most of the instruments on this album, and it 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 goes all over the place. Um, but the song I want to point out is a song called uh, Umi Says, that's U-M-I Says. And it's kind of a jazzy, loungy, dreamy kind of hip-hop number. And I guess, you you know, he's it's not that he's not rapping. It just, mm-hmm. it's so laid back that it sounds like he's kind of just talking, singing a little. Right. And I've just always loved the vibe of this song. And it was a single. I don't think it did very well, but it was one of two singles off the record. And... The lyrics are, you know, the lyrics are meaningful and everything, but not so much for our purposes. You know, it's, you know, tomorrow may never come, love everybody, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, it's fine. It's just, it doesn't matter what he says. Cause you know, like a lot of things when you're high, it really just matters how it feels. Right. Uh, so this, this is definitely an indica where it's, you sink into the couch, uh, maybe even better that you have no TV, uh, maybe some Christmas lights on the inside, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the inside of, of of the room instead of the outside of the house, and it's playful where hip hop is usually currently isn't. Put my heart and soul to the song. Yes, yes. I hope you feel me. 
I, I think that's an excellent choice. That is an indica. That yeah. is an indica for me. That's yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's just laid back and just so so mellow, just chill. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I think if anything, the xylophone ties the whole thing together. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's it's really a trip to realize I'm pretty sure Mose plays everything on this track. So that's him on the bass. Oh, no that's kidding. A pretty, it's a pretty damn good bass. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. I, and I I feel bad because this was the last record I ever got from him. And it's been it's been 18, 19 years. Oh, wow. And uh, and he has at least two others. I've never heard them. Oh, so shit. well, that that's I didn't even know he was a, a multi-instrumentalist. That's that's impressive. Yeah, I didn't either uh, until until I looked into this because I I've, this is actually this track specifically I wanted to point this out because it's worth looking into. Uh, but this uh, this track shows up on a collection called Music for Dreams, which is a pretty interesting collection of songs, but uh, it's not available on Spotify. And to be honest, this track and the and the the, the remix on Music for Dreams isn't terribly different. Um, but that that out. Al- let's see. It's not, I guess it's not an album. It's uh, two or three discs. I used to sleep to those discs every night. Yeah. Uh, Music for dreams. So I just remember this one being very very calming. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That's that's a good one. I'm gonna have to give that another another listen later on after the show. It's it's not bad. Well, hey, what I need to do, I need to just run into the other room real quick and grab the boy because mm-hmm. he's about to explode. Sure. I left him in the other room so that when he started to stir and wake up and stuff, we wouldn't hear him. But he's if I if I leave him out there too long, he's just gonna blow up and I won't be able he's to shut get him up. Pissed. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll yeah. be right back. Okay, cool. All right. Welcome to the show, Alistair. Yes. And Baby Makes Three. <laughs> Did you know what's weird? You know where his favorite place in the entire house is? In, in, his, in his room here, where I'm at right now, in his room, there's a, a changing table that's like, you know, like about stomach high or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a couple like sticker, like murals on the wall and stuff. And when I lay him on that changing table, he stares at this giraffe and he will just smile and laugh he stares at these stickers on the wall, man. And this is like his favorite place in the house, man. He just, the instant I put him down, he just smiles. It's like his happy place. It's so weird. It's like he's, like he's stoned. Yeah, Good man. So <laughs> weird. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of which, what do you got? Are oh. we, we're already to your number one. Yes. My number one is my Indica pick. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, curious what you're going to think about this one. Uh, let me, let me throw a name at you and see if this rings any bells. Do you know the name Eddie Hazel? at all no okay eddie hazel is a a guitarist Uh, he's no longer with us but he was a guitarist uh for the band funkadelic and he was a collaborator with george clinton through parliament and and, and funkadelic and whatnot and uh he played what is considered by a lot of people to be one of the greatest guitar solos ever recorded uh, Guitar World magazine, I think, ranked it number seventy-one. I want to say <laughs> um, this was the title track to Funkadelic's God. I want to say their third record uh, called Maggot Brain. And you, yeah, pretty big album for them, right? Yeah, and 
I know how you feel about opening tracks. Um, mm-hmm. The song I want to feature is the title track. It's called Maggot Brain. It's also the opening track on the record. And on top of that, it is a 10 minute and 20 second long guitar solo. I don't oh, wow. know another band who would dare to open a record with a 10 minute long guitar solo. Wow. Um, and they open with that and then there's more. Yeah. Yeah. They, they open with this and then there's, uh, you know, a handful of, of short, like three and four minute funk songs. And then there's another long song at the end to kind of bookend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the story has it legend has it that, um, when they decided they wanted to have a song like this on the record, they were in the studio. They actually were not high on marijuana, but they were tripping balls. They both had, uh, George Clinton and Eddie Hazel both had done a ton of LSD. Okay. And uh, George Clinton told him he wanted to go into the studio and play guitar like he had just found out that his mom died. He just wanted him to pour his just soul into this. And no kidding. They, That's uh, kind of dark for, a, for yeah. a, a stone song. I know, right? Well, uh, Eddie Hazel ended up knocking this all out in one take. Uh, he did the whole 10-minute solo, just one, one take. And they recorded it with a with the band, with backing instruments and everything. And then in his mm-hmm. uh, infinite wisdom, after the, the song was recorded, George Clinton went back in and he took out all the instruments except for one guitar that was just playing like some arpeggio stuff behind him. So it's mm-hmm. it's just a, a guitar very quietly in the background and then this this solo, which is distorted a little bit. It's got some fuzz, it's a wah, it's very Hendrix-y kind of solo. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some reverb and some effects that, that were added in after the fact that George Clinton just kind of threw in there to make it a little trippy sounding here and there. Um, but I feel like out of my three, especially, uh, I don't know about your, what you've got left, but out of my three, this one is far and away the closest replication to actually being stoned. Because when you (laughs) listen to this, you're going to lose all track of time and you're going to think it's been playing for like a half an hour and it's only been on for like seven minutes. Oh God. like that a lot more than I thought I would. That's amazing. Really? Oh, I'm surprised. I'm glad. It kind of reminds me, I mean, mean, you know, at least in terms of, you know, well, we're just going to shred on this track. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's trippy enough to be something else. It it, kind of reminded me of, um, there was a time, I don't think we're going to do an LSD episode, but maybe we will. But uh, a long time ago, obviously, I was, I was, uh, I had done some acid. And I, I really tripped hard on the song called Three Days. 
Oh, uh, sure, yeah. By, by Jane's Addiction. Yeah. And um, and that song blew my mind because it just kept getting better right. <laughs> as it went on. And this thing kind of does the same. Although I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a potentially embarrassing question to ask you. What's that? It's a huge blind spot. What's the difference between Parliament and Funkadelic? Well, Parliament was, if I remember right, Parliament was a little bit more funk as far as like more horns and and, and that sort of thing and funkadelic mm. was a little more guitar driven a little more rock that's kind of funny and then they they still Parliament managed... was more funk than funkadelic yeah can you imagine <laughs> that and then of course you know they merged at some point but yeah they uh, they yeah. felt the need to differentiate for some reason uh, you know and how I, old is this maggot brain uh, it's, like i was saying it's a landmark isn't it 1971 which um, wow, I think that's way older than I would have guessed. And I think that uh, you know part of the reason uh, that this got so much attention uh, was due to the timing a little bit because you know Hendrix had just died the year before, and naturally people were kind of like looking for the next Hendrix, and this is about as Hendrixy as you can get. So this yeah, at the time anyway got a lot of attention. I, I you know he's not really a. A household name by any stretch but you know god he sure should have been uh, wow you really should have ended the show mine i mean i have a, I have a real sweet spot for my number one but it doesn't even compare uh, <laughs> well yeah if anyone out there has never gotten high or just hasn't gotten high in a long time just throw that song on when you've only had about two hours sleep and it'll feel like you are high as shit <laughs> like I said, man, you'll just be like, God, this this song, I thought he said it was 10 minutes. It's already been playing for like at least 25 minutes. I swear to God. <laughs> yes. But but it, I have to give him credit, though. It does have kind of a, a, a flow. It, you know, it, it builds and then quiets down. He, he actually put a lot of thought into it. You know, it's not just mindless, you know, Yeah, my, playing. my first thought was that it lacked structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, as I was listening just now, that's I don't think that's the case. Yeah, yeah, it's actually surprisingly thoughtful for a, a 10 minute long guitar solo yeah all right well uh let's uh let's get to the end of this here huh my number one uh is a is a song you might have heard it was a minor hit um by a band that might just have the worst name ever in terms of it being kind of apocryphal or you know or sort of being uh self-fulfilling uh the band is called failure ever hear them (laughs) (laughs) Um, That kind of rings a bell. Yeah, that's not not a great name. It's Uh, funny when you can, you can, uh, but but this is uh, Ken Andrews and Greg Edwards are sort of the the two guys who are are at the center of this band. Um, They're a rock band, but there's there's a fair share of experimentalism. It's amazing how you can have similar ingredients and yet what comes out of the oven is so different. Because this band's debut, I'm not going to play off the debut, but their debut called Comfort had, you know, morning vocals, distorted guitar, and Steve Albini as producer. Mm. So why doesn't it sound like In Utero? And it doesn't. It doesn't sound anything like In Utero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but as things went on, these guys actually started to produce themselves. Ken Andrews is kind of a he's kind of a, a, a tech head with with uh, studio tricks and stuff. So when it came time to record this in 1995, um, he actually, they actually, he and he and his partner Greg had had an idea for a concept album. Well, let's just call it a, a space rock opera, uh, and and it and it it sounds like that. Uh, but the sound, or the sound, the song I'm gonna play is called "Stuck on You," and it kind of has the structure of a typical pop song, 
but it's produced in a way where the the instruments the guitars especially just create this i mean it's just the wall of china it's a wall of sound it's it's so formidable how loud this is it has uh but but it's it could be loud but it's not it's not like you know maggot brain it's it's kind of restrained it still stays true to the structure that it's trying to put out there um and an out of this world glowing hook the artwork to the album the album is called uh, fantastic planet it came out on slash records in 96. the the artwork is a, a an homage to l ron hubbard if you you want to get kind of even more weird <laughs> and uh and i'll i'll play this for you and then tell you i've actually seen them a couple of times harmony but a, like a thick you know, the the lower end is is pretty thick it, and actually this is kind of stoner rock uh but uh, but unlike uh Caius it's kind of it's it's uh, in my mind it's there's there's more going on uh mm-hmm. you know it's a higher it's a higher concept so had you heard that song before no no that's not familiar to me i i don't think i've ever heard that i i do I, for some reason, the name of the band seems familiar to me, but I don't know what song of theirs I might know or where I would have heard them. You probably more remember Failure because uh, your record store was inundated with promos. Ah, that could be. Uh, yeah. Maybe not this record, but the ones before it. Yeah. I don't think they... Yeah, this this album was actually the last they would record for Slash, and it was only a couple years ago that they got back together to do a uh, anniversary tour mm-hmm. for this album, and I saw them on that tour. Uh, and then they they actually recorded a new album, kind of not so great. The album a little boring, but still I went and saw them, and it was it was good. Uh, but the first time I saw them was at Lollapalooza '97. Oh wow! And and they had actually been the day the, the day I saw them, they were on like the third stage. Uh, but because they were on Lala, because Tool was on that year, uh, Ken Andrews and and Maynard I think had become buddies years prior. Uh, failure actually did get some main stage time uh, here and there throughout that that summer, um, but when I saw them, you know, it's funny because I had seen plenty of heavy heavy bands uh, by 1997, I think. Yeah, obviously. Um, but when I saw them, uh, it was like the first time I ever saw a drummer really go sick on a ride cymbal. Like just beating the shit out of the biggest symbol he had, right? And it it never even occurred to me to do that because you know my ride symbol was so 
it was such a cheap one that if I did that, it would never sound good. So it never occurred to me. But these guys, when they played this, it blew my mind. It, it and I wasn't even stoned that day. I wasn't. Well, maybe I was smoking pot then. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it was a trip to see them. And I was. I, that's actually the. I was really disappointed both times I saw them in the last three years because they were nothing like that. They were so subdued uh. and almost almost scholarly, you know, about their songs. And uh, when I saw them, it's it's one of the rare times where I've seen a band indoors and outdoors, and the outdoor version was better. Well, but you know, of course, that separated by twenty years or so. Yeah, that's true. Um, huh. So anyway, but I also have a little autobiography, uh, autobiographical thing going on with this song. Because one time that one of the same buddies that I smoked with the first time I smoked pot, uh, this friend of mine is still a huge smoker to this day. Uh, he he and I sat in my car, uh, really really stoned. I think we must have smoked right before we left or something. And we we went to like the Circle K to get snacks, uh, as you do. And mm-hmm. and uh, we sat and we listened to the song over and over like mm-hmm. it was. It, it was uh, we were entranced by it. it and and every time I hear it it's it to me it's a stoner anthem and I'm sure it was never meant to be that but that's what it is to me right yeah yeah that's cool see I, you know the last uh, few concerts I've been to I uh, uh, for some reason the first few I went to this year I'd never smelled any pot and but the last three or four I have and every time I smell pot at a concert I'm like man <laughs> I can't remember the last time I smoked pot at a concert I bet that's so fun like I forgot like what it's even like to like just be high and listen to live music. I'm not sure what this says about me, but I've I've rarely done that because I've always kind of been a you know hideout at home kind of guy when I smoked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably comes to comes from the fact that when I first started smoking, I only smoked like at 11 or 12 p.m. when my parents were asleep and I'd go to the furthest bathroom right. in a room in the house I could crack a window. Yeah, you know, yeah. And sort of hide it. So, and you know, it is strange to think of how much things have changed and how, but still how long it took for them, them to change it all on pot. You know, when, when in 1997, when this failure record came out, the idea that I would have been high in a car in public I mean, they treated it. They treated it like it may as well have been heroin. You know, Jeff Sessions still lives in that era. Yeah, uh, it's it's so weird how like if I walk down the street right now, toking on something, the worst that would happen is I would have to pay a fine. You know, as we all know, here in Kansas, still is like ten years behind the times. And uh, well, that's brownback country. And and you're being uh, you're being very generous with the ten year thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, where I work uh, is a small town, but we. Uh, the town is right situated right on an interstate that uh, kind of bisects the the state and you can take it up to uh let's see you take it up to interstate 70 which goes east and west and then you take mm. interstate 70 to go to colorado uh so it's not uncommon to find uh cars transporting large quantities of marijuana uh the cops like making traffic stops on the interstate without a state tags um, because oh. they they uh, every so often they make huge drug busts, but it just kind of breaks my heart that it's just marijuana. But it's you pot. Know? Yeah, it's and I'm pot. like, it's not drugs. God, man. You know, like the last <laughs> big bust they made, it was like, I, I can't remember how much actual weed, and then just tons and tons of edibles. And I was like, God, man, that's who's that? Who's that hurting? You know? 
the only thing about pot that's bad is that it is illegal. That's what mm-hmm. brings out the shady shit of the people who are doing it. You know, exactly. if you're out in the open, it wouldn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like you've met your share of, of, of skeevy drug dealers, I'm sure, as I have. And the only reason they're skeevy is because they're shitty enough to do it. <laughs> yeah, know, like, exactly. I'm going to go ahead and skirt the law here. You need me as much as I need you, I guess. Right. All right. right. Well, uh, that about does it for us. What have you, what have you got on the list besides uh, your three? Well, what I decided to do, uh, my also rans would be would be quite lengthy if I just listed them all. So I decided to condense it and uh, just put it this way: my also rans are every fucking song in the history of recorded music. Because what does not sound better high, honestly? <laughs> well, well, I thought you could narrow it down a little better, Jesus. Not really. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I tried to think about what wouldn't sound better high, the first thing that came to mind was like some of the like really out there John Coltrane or something. Uh, just yeah. some, some of the really, really crazy stuff that might kind of freak you out. But other than that, I mean... Uh, have you have you listened to it on weed? Everything is just you know. <laughs> yeah. That's why this was such an overwhelming uh, topic. You know, it's just like God. Everything sounds cool, high shit. Well, it, it has to be autobiographical to a certain degree, and that's kind of where I ended up going as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, um, I have a number I'd like to mention. You know, like the classic rock sort of lends itself to this, and I have a couple of those. Serenade by Steve Miller Band, if you can believe it or not. That one always tripped me out when I first started smoking pot. Um, the Doors with the Crystal Ship, there's an organ solo there that's always blown my mind. Night Call by Kavinsky from the Drive soundtrack. Uh, I was going to put in some Coltrane or some some other bebop, but I, I know we're going to do a jazz uh, episode coming up here in right, not too long yeah. before the season's over. So I just decided to leave it off. Um, there's a really funny song by Jean, John Lejoy, who's a, a comedian who was, used to be on a show called The League. And he always writes funny songs on that show. Well, he did when the show was on. But he has one called High as Fuck that's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. You know what? I've heard that. Yeah, that's a good one. John Prine, of course, as we mentioned before, Illegal Smile. Black Sabbath has a song about pot called Sweet Leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, Fugazi has a song, an instrumental called Sweet and Low. But uh, ultimately, I decided, you know, a band that's straight edge certainly wasn't going for that. And no matter how I feel about it, it, there's not enough really going on with the song to really, you know, justify putting it on my top three. Um, the Cure's entire mixed up album would work. Uh, a lot of Tribe Called Quest works. And I, as much as I hate to admit it, a lot of Kanye works. Amp Live. And there's a song called... Um, I think it's videotapes on it's it's not readily available on anything because it's it's a tribute thing and it's sort of you know it's not adequately published to be available for purchase but you can find it out there amp live uh rainy days i think is the album so i guess i'll stop there a lot of good stuff since you had some and i actually kind of took the easy way out i'll go ahead and just list off a few that the uh, listeners submitted on facebook um, Jordan Good idea. also had Radiohead, Karma Police, and Gorillas, Bobby and Phoenix. Uh, Samuel had Cross Canadian Ragweed, Boys from Oklahoma. Uh, Bill said any and all reggae music, and then he listed a few different. Uh, he had legalized it, of course, Peter Tosh. Uh, that's so predictable, though. You, you're better than this, Bill. Yeah, that's why I kind of <laughs> I wanted to find something that at least kind of shook it up a little bit. Uh, Cypress yeah. Hill, of course. 
Um, yeah. Let's see. Tavis also said the cure. I, I really, I was really fascinated by this comment. Tavis said that when he was in eighth grade, he would smoke at his window and listen to Simon and Garfunkel live in Central Park. <laughs> yeah. That is just yeah, a fascinating I, comment to me. Um, it is. Uh, and, and you know what else is fascinating about it? I I knew Tavis back in the ninth grade, and I never would have had him pegged as a pot smoker. Really? Yeah. And then I, um, my heart goes out to uh, Anita, who says every song is a weed-smoking song. Duh. Yes. Yeah. See, that's that's where I'm coming from. That's yeah. why I have no also-rans. Everything's an also-ran for me. All um, right. So, okay, well, that that does it for this. So that that brings us to the uh, the wager, Spotify wager. So... Who should we uh, who should we take a stab at here? I don't know enough Parliament or Funkadelic. Uh, Mos Def, there's there's too few. I don't know enough you know M83 really, and I certainly can't do Anthrax. That leaves you had Nas, I guess. We could do Nas. Yeah. Uh, that's about I, yeah, it. Yeah, I, I couldn't do Caius. There's no way. Uh, well, we've already done Sabbath, so. You know, let's do. Um, we've already done the cure too, haven't we? <laughs> did we? Yeah, we did. Shit. That's right. We've done it all. Um, but like proper stoners, we forgot. You know, let's do either Steve Miller Band or. I think we've already done the Doors, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Or we could do Coltrane. I have him on my also rands. Hmm. Oh, you know what? I oh, we've already done them too. God, I was gonna say Red Hot Chili Peppers because I have one stupid little song of theirs on my list. <laughs> Man, I'm really. Why don't we just pick a different one? Like, can you think of a, a big band we've talked about in in prior episodes that we never did? Like Bon Jovi. That's going all the way to the beginning. Oh wow. Let's do let's do Bon Jovi. Okay. <laughs> sure. That was pretty sure that was like my number one or two on the first episode. Okay. Bon um, Jovi. Well, you get to go first, so go ahead. Okay. The very first one that pops into mind is You Give Love a Bad Name. But that's probably not it. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I think you're you're really, you're really, I'm going to give you a second to think because you're really skipping a couple of like big ones, I think. Well, I think Living on a Prayer is probably, I'd, I'd like it to be um, One Dead or Alive, but you know that's their best song, so that won't be it. <laughs> right. So, so let's. I'm gonna go with "Living on a Prayer." That seems like a, a safer bet. Hmm. Wow. See, now I'm second guessing. Is is "One Dead or Alive" gonna be the winner then? Because that was my first. I'm already thought. second guessing. <laughs> huh. See, now I'm thinking of the, the whole like you know they had a whole second half of their career that catered to like kind of older exactly. like women and like oh, is it like "Born to Be Your Baby" or something or. God. They, they straight they straight up turned into Michael Bolton. Yeah. Oh shit. Not uh. straight up, but may as well. <laughs> right. I would say I would say just go with what you know. You know what is what does listener Samuel say? Just go with uh, yeah. whatever had the most spins I, on corporate radio. I should I should just take his advice. And you said what again? Living on a prayer. Yeah. <sighs> uh, is that the one about Tommy who used to work on the docks? Yes. Okay, just making sure I was thinking of the right song. Um, now I've got "Living in a Prayer" stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> I'll just um, well, Slipp "Slippery When Wet" was their their big breakthrough, and I think then they "Bad had, Medicine" was the album after. Yeah. Uh, and then they had didn't they have one called just called New Jersey? Oh, that was the album. You're Is that right. the one Bad with Medicine "Bad Medicine"? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. all right. I'm just I'll just go with "Wanted Dead or Alive." Okay. Bon. Jovanovich. 
All right. So, do you want to hear all ten? I should just. Uh, oh, I could just do the top five. It turns out. Okay. Number five and four are uh, both actually five, four, and three are all sort of what you were referring to, but they're sort of more written for middle-aged women. Bed of Roses. Oh yeah. Always. God, that might be the worst song they ever recorded. <laughs> and then it's it's my life, which was sort oh, of a, yeah, you know, yeah. a latter day. I remember when I first heard that, it was like the early two thousands, and I was like, oh my god, just hang it up. You guys <laughs> suck. And then of course it was like a huge, huge fucking hit. yeah, right. Uh, okay, so after that are both of our picks. Oh wait, you said oh, I'm sorry. One in dead or alive is number nine. What the fuck? <laughs> I'll be there for you is number eight. Bad Medicine seven. Runaway six. Five. I, I was going off. I thought you. I said give love a bad name, which is number two. But then I changed it to living on a prayer, which is number one. I so, see. Okay. So I'm the clear winner here. All right. Well, congratulations, everybody, because you have made it to the end of another stony episode of the ringing ear uh please make sure to follow us on social media at the ringing ear on instagram and twitter we're on facebook at facebook.com slash the ringing ear uh don't forget to subscribe to the show give us a shout out rate us uh give us a review just show us some love um you can find me on social media at books of job uh jeff is on twitter at at jeff nail right yep I keep getting confused because your Instagram is different at turdnail on Instagram. Turd yeah, underscore. You just, leave, you just leave that out. Okay. Instagram. At Jeff Nail on Twitter. And don't forget, you can hear past episodes, access our current and al- concert and album reviews, our Spotify playlists, uh, photo galleries, past episodes. If I didn't already say that, all at killboringmusic.com, your ally in a crusade against boring music. All of our episodes are produced by us, Jeff and Job. And our intro music, Set Guitars to Kill, was written and performed by And So I Watch You From Afar. Check them out at asiwyfa.com. Don't forget, unsigned artists, you can submit your work to us at killboringmusic.com to be featured in our unsigned artist spotlight. Uh, and also, just regular listeners, just a shout out to you guys if you're you know in the local scene at all or you know any local bands don't forget to you know give them a shout out tell them to submit to us or just just tell us who they are we'll go track them down uh we've got someone from oh i think did we say michigan minnesota michigan minnesota yeah minnesota okay i'm i've actually barely listened to this uh but it's it's pretty much the favorite band of of uh guarcinio hall from uh (laughs) two minutes to late night and uh he just tweeted like yesterday war on women is my favorite band oh okay they have a they have an album out called capture the flag i think that's this year so at least it's uh kind of current on top of it so yeah war on women capture the flag uh okay so war on women okay playing us out this week is uh i don't know if they're burbo or burbot uh chuck foster didn't say but he is a He's sort of the one-man band of Burbo, and he's kind of doing... It's funny because I'm like, Chuck must be young, because I don't think anyone who lived through this... Era, well, that's not true. That's. It's just... It sounds like um, someone who didn't live through the 90s doing a thing for the 90s, but it ain't bad. Uh, he, he's definitely got a fixation on Soundgarden meets Jeff Buckley kind of thing uh with his compositions so he has a song called sea of trees 
At least I think that's what it's called, because the best song I listened to on burbot.bandcamp.com was a song that is only two characters in Japanese. Uh, and when I translated that online, it came up Sea of Trees, Abundant Leafage, which I thought is funny for this episode, or or uh, or Broad Expanse of Dense Woodland. So I'm going to go with Sea of Trees. <laughs> and uh, that's Burbo or Burbot, B-U-R-B-O-T, uh, at uh, bandcamp.com. And he is apparently, has he named himself or his band after a fish? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the cover is like a fish and a feather, right? Well, and yeah, and I, when I just Googled that word without putting band after it, it brings up a, a kind of fish. Oh, okay. Does that so. pronounce it? <laughs> Not. It, no. In parentheses, it says L O T A space L O T A. Uh, after Burbot. So I don't quite know what that okay. means. So no. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the bummer about this is uh, is Chuck has not put Burbot's music on, uh, Burbo's music on Spotify. So it will not, cannot be found there, but it can be found on Bandcamp. Oh, uh, Joby, one real quick thing. A shout out to uh, our friends over at uh, Drifting Roots, former unsigned artist. Well, currently unsigned, maybe. <laughs> But uh, I just mean they've been on the show before. Uh, we're planning on using their music as a backing track, heavily featured on this episode. So thanks to Drifting Roots. You can find them on Spotify and Apple Music as far as I remember. Okay. So. All right. Well, that, uh, that pretty much does it for us, folks. So here is Sea of Trees by Bur- Burbo. Uh, and this is Joby. This is Jeff. We are reminding you to keep fighting the good fight. Reject the rudimentary. Slay the simple folks and murder the mundane. Kill the boring and by God. Be sure to keep your ears ringing. (laughs) 